God has a way of getting our attention. Maybe this morning, God is getting your attention. And He's calling you to get back in the trenches. To get back in the trenches to share our message. Have you heard His voice or felt the call of God on your life to surrender to Him this morning? Maybe you've been running away. Trying to avoid what He's telling you to do. But your sin and your disobedience to Him has a cost. God is calling you back. Turn around. He sent me this morning to tell you to turn around. Turn to Him. Be restored. He'll give you a second chance. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. title of our message this morning is simply Life Lessons from Jonah. Probably if I were to go around the room, most of us, probably one of the first Bible stories we heard in, as a youngster in Sunday school was that of Jonah and the whale. Something we can all recall. It's one of the most common ones in kids' Sunday school classes. I can remember when I was a youngster, we'd have a lesson on Jonah and the whale and I can remember the little Sunday school printout with the color pictures on there. And I remember very plainly one time we had Jonah and the whale. I was probably second or third grade. And the picture on the paper was of Jonah in the belly of that whale sitting in a chair behind a little table with a lamp burning. I didn't think about it that much at the time, but as I thought about it this week and kind of reminisced, I chuckled because... Most of those Sunday school lessons made it look like he was very cozy in that whale. But when we read the book of Jonah, we get a very different picture. Now the book of Jonah has been scrutinized by many. Many scholars don't believe that it's actual true facts all the way through. They believe it's fable or fiction to try to convey a, a message. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I believe it happened just as the way... It said, I believe every word, every phrase, every number, every name in the Bible is inspired by God. All 66 books written by some 40 authors over hundreds of years, each and every one guided by the Holy Spirit of God to tell the message of God's love for us and God's redemptive plan through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you need more proof, that Jonah was a real person, you don't need to look any further than the Bible itself. In 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, it mentions Jonah there being the prophet during the reign of King Jeroboam II. Listen to what it says. 2 Kings 14 and verse 25, when it's talking about Jeroboam II, the king at the time, says he, meaning Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labo Hamath to the Dead Sea, and listen to this. In accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, this prophet from Gath-Hefer. Now here's the prophet Jonah mentioned in 2 Kings 14. A real person, a real man, a real prophet at the time. And if you need further confirmation that Jonah was real, you can look to our Lord and what he said about him in, in the Gospels in Matthew and Luke. 
During Jesus' earthly ministry, he only mentioned four prophets by name. He mentioned Isaiah. He mentioned Daniel. He mentioned Zechariah. And Jesus mentioned Jonah during his earthly ministry. Those four prophets are the one he mentioned. And in Matthew 12, starting in verse 38, Jesus is talking and he mentions Jonah. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law gathered around him and they had been ridiculing him and they called what Jesus had done in the past as being done by Beelzebub. And he said, they said, we want a sign. And Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. So in that passage, Jesus himself mentions Jonah as being a real person. But not only that, he confirms that Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish. And not only that, Jesus compares what happened to Jonah as a foreshadowing for what it would happen to him, his death, burial, and resurrection. So we see there a picture of what would happen to the Lord. Jesus confirmed it. Jonah was a real man. He was a real prophet. He lived during the 8th century B.C. during the reign of Jeroboam II. And during this time, Israel had, they had prospered politically. They had prospered financially. But they were failing spiritually. They had increased their borders to the greatest extent they had seen since Solomon had been king. The prosperity, though, that they had enjoyed was beginning to lead to an increase in materialism and lead to a situation where they had increased injustice to the poor and needy. Now, one would think that God would appoint Jonah to preach to his own people, but no. God has other plans. God decides for him to go to Israel's biggest, greatest threat, their enemy, their Russia, so to speak. He sends them to the Ninevites, to the Assyrians. So often we find that God has plans for us that are beyond what we think. His ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so God had a plan for Jonah that didn't include talking to his own people. So this morning as we go through and examine the prophet Jonah, we're going to highlight some selected verses as we go along. We're going to discover that Jonah in many ways is so similar to most of us. We're going to uncover some life lessons that we can apply to our own lives. Let's read together. Starting in Jonah chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 and then we'll pray. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose 
that the ship threatened to break up. Now let's pray together. Father, as we look into these scriptures this morning, Lord, help us to be reminded of the life lessons that we can learn through the prophet Jonah. Father, I receive by faith a special anointing of your Holy Spirit this morning as you speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. There's some life lessons we can learn in this book, this little four-chapter book. The first one I think that we need to be reminded of. Disobedience has a cost. Disobedience has a cost. Anytime you and I disobey Almighty God, there's a cost associated with that sin. God told Jonah very plainly there in verse 2, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, this was a very wicked city. The Ninevites, the Assyrians were very cruel people. They were very cruel. They treated their people that they captured very heinously. We won't get into the details there. Some of the historians talk about the mistreatment that they had for their prisoners and things that they, people that they conquered. But God told him very plainly to go there and preach there. But in verse 3 it says, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He disobeyed. And that disobedience had consequences. Our sin has consequences. Our sin has a cost. There's a price to pay. I want you to think about something for a minute. Anytime we see these two words in the Bible, it's usually a good thing when we see these words together, but God. In Genesis 8 and verse 1, that scripture says, but God remembered Jonah, uh, Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and sent a wind over the earth and the waters received. That was a good thing. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, one of my favorite verses it says, in regards to the life of Joseph, it says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. The psalmist writes in Psalm 73 and verse 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It's a good thing. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Anytime we see those two words together, but God, it's usually a good thing. However, on the flip side, in this passage and in other places, God had told Jonah to go to Nineveh, preach against it, but Jonah ran away. That's what it says in verse 3. God said to do this, and instead Jonah did something else. Anytime God says for us to do something, but we choose not to, it's sin. It's disobedience, and there's a cost associated with that. Disobedience has a cost. One of those costs, the immediate cost to disobedience to God is separation from Him. Separation from the fellowship that we can have with Him. Notice in verse 3, Jonah ran away. Ran away from the Lord. Disobedience causes separation. A break in fellowship. Isaiah 59 and verse 2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. 
So there's that separation there, that cost associated with our disobedience. But usually for a little while, when we get away, we think we've accomplished something. We usually have peace for a little while. Jonah had peace. He thought he had gotten out from under God's thumb and was going to go to Tarshish, which scholars tell us was the furthest place he could go of the known world at that time. And he goes down in the ship and he falls asleep. You remember the story of the prodigal son. Once he got his inheritance from his father, he took off. And he had lived it up for a while until the money ran out. And he ended up in the muck and the mire. And he realized what he had gotten himself into. The scripture says he returned to his senses, he returned to his father and was restored. Not only does the cost of disobedience, the cost of our sin include separation, separation from close fellowship with God, but it also includes the possibility of shipwreck, a wrecked life. A disobedient Christian is at danger of wrecking their life. Notice it was God that sent the storm and the wind. Now God didn't want Jonah to be shipwrecked. He sent that wind to try to correct him. To try to correct that disobedience. To turn him around. To bring him back. And God does that. In Hebrews 12 and verse 6. Hebrews 12 and verse 6 says, The Lord disciplines the one He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. If you and I are disobedient to God, He may very well send a storm to block our path or to turn us around. But if we persist, we may end up in shipwreck. We may end up in a wrecked life. I heard a story, and this is a true story, as it was told to me some years back. There was a pastor in another town. Pretty large church. Started having an affair with a lady in his church. The pastor was married, had a good ministry going. One of the deacons went to talk to him about it. He wouldn't have anything, he wouldn't listen. Very short period of time after that, this pastor was caught with the lady. They were skinny dipping in the lake. And you know what his response was? Well, it wouldn't have been skinny dipping if I hadn't been drunk. God tried to turn him around by sending that deacon to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. And it cost him, it wrecked his life. It wrecked his ministry. It wrecked his marriage. Took a toll on that congregation as well. You know, anytime there's a sin in our life, a disobedience in our life, it not only affects us, but it affects those around us. The church secretary at the time knew about the affair. She was at such a stressful situation knowing about this and having this burden on her, she began to lose her hair. Had some other health problems. It took a toll on that congregation. It took years to overcome. So our sin, our disobedience, not only has a cost that affects us, but it affects others, those around us. If you think about this, a big oak tree out in the middle of the forest, wide-spreading limbs, but it's got a, the heartwood of that tree is rotten. The inside is rotten. When that tree falls, it brings everybody down around it. All the other trees, it does all that damage around it. All the little saplings get smushed. 
And it takes years to be restored to back the way it was. That's the way it is with us. If we're living in sin, if we're disobedient in some way, it not only affects us, it harms others around us. Someone say, well, my sin doesn't affect anybody but me. It's not hurting anybody but me. But friend, I'm going to tell you, you may think that. But at the very least, it breaks the heart of someone who loves you. If it's not a family member, it breaks the heart of Almighty God. And that should be enough to turn us around. Is there some area of disobedience in your life today? If so, there's a cost associated with that disobedience, that sin. It separates you first from fellowship with God, the close fellowship that He wants to have with you. And you may not see it, but God may be sending a storm right now to correct you and turn you around. And if you don't turn around, you may end up in a wrecked life. We need to trust Him. We need to obey Him. Don't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct our paths. Disobedience has a cost. The second thing I want you to think about this morning, prayers of repentance bring restoration and second chances. A prayer, a sincere prayer of repentance brings restoration and second chances. Jonah had tried to run away from God and God sent this correcting storm to get his attention, to turn him around. As a result of that storm, Jonah gets thrown overboard and swallowed by this huge fish that Scripture says God had prepared. Jonah, got, he got in a mess, just like the prodigal son. When the prodigal son realized the mess he was in, in the muck and the mire, feeding the hogs, Scripture says he came to his senses. He had a change of heart. He had a change of behavior, and he went back to his father. Jonah was in a tough spot because of his disobedience. And picking up in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 there of Jonah, Jonah's in this tough spot. He's in this belly of this huge fish. And he came to his senses. And listen to what it says. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. And in verse 4, Jonah turns his eyes and his heart in God's direction once again. He says, I've been banished from your sight, yet I, yet I will look on you again towards your. I will look again towards your holy people, your holy temple. In verses seven and eight, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. See, in verse 8 there, it seems to be a confession of his sin and his foolishness. He said, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. In verse 9, he seems to be saying, what I, he says, what I have vowed, I'll make good. Jonah's basically saying, okay, Lord, I'm through running. I'm through running. Your way is right. I yield to your will. I submit to your will. You called me to be a prophet. You told me to go to Nineveh. And I'll deliver your message wherever you want me to go. Wherever you lead, I'll go. And God commands that fish to, 
vomit him out on shore. When you and I surrender, when you and I repent and say, okay, God, I'm through being disobedient. We come with a sincere prayer of repentance. That's when we're restored. And that's when God gives us a second chance. God gave Jonah another chance to do the things according to his will. Look there in verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Jonah obeyed. That's what he did that next time. Because God had restored him. God had given him another chance. God gives us another chance. If we'll come to him with a sincere prayer of repentance, he will restore us. He will give us another chance. The third thing I'd have us to think about this morning, the third point of this life lesson that we need to learn from the prophet Jonah, evangelism has an effect. Evangelism has an effect. If we look back at chapter 3, starting in verse 3, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A, a visit required three days. On the first day Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be over, overturned. An eight-word sermon. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Eight words. That's all he said. Sometimes you and I get caught up in not knowing what to say. We say, well, I would like to talk to that family member. I would like to talk to that neighbor or that friend, but I just don't, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to say something wrong and mess up. I wish I could have that conversation. We allow that uncertainty to take over and paralyze us and cause us not to do anything. But we don't need to be concerned about the results. We're not held accountable for the results. We're just supposed to trust the Lord. Let Him speak through us. Let Him worry about the results. Our responsibility is to go and tell because evangelism has an effect. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. He said, I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. You may think you don't have the ability to effectively share the gospel with those around you, but you're wrong. It's God who makes things grow. You just tell your story and let, him, let God handle the rest. You remember that we've talked about this before, the Samaritan woman at the well when John, in John chapter 4 when Jesus ran into the Samaritan woman and she went back. What she told others wasn't flashy. All she told them was, Jesus told me everything I ever did. And the scripture says that many in the town believed because of what she said. Many in the town believed. Jonah had an eight word sermon and the greatest revival in human history occurred because of those eight words that he spoke. Some estimates say that that town had anywhere from 600,000 people to a million people. And it says that everyone repented from the king all the way down because of the words that Jonah spoke. 
See, you and I are called to share what we know and tell others of what Jesus has done. And we just need to trust God and God will make sure that the fertile soil of a receptive heart is in the place it needs to be to hear what we have to say. God makes it grow. He'll make sure that it has an effect. His word says, my word will not return unto me void. Don't you let Satan tell you that you don't have a story to tell and that it can't be effective because it can be. It doesn't have to be flashy. Jonah only had eight words. The woman at the well only had a few words, but it had great impact. Evangelism in whatever form has an effect. During the awful bloody days of World War I, there was a British soldier who was grieved about the way things were going. He couldn't couldn't stand to see any more death and despair, so he deserted. He took off in the middle of the night, not knowing which way to go, but he was trying to get to the coast so he could get on a boat and get back to his native England in secret. He went for some time not knowing where he was, and finally he came up on a, what looked like a road sign at a crossroads. It was so dark and he couldn't see what the sign said, so he thought, I'll crawl up on the post and see what the sign says so I'll know which way to go. So he scuffled and climbed up to the crossbeam and as he hung there he reached in his pocket and he thought I've got to light a match so I can see what the road sign says. He reached in his breast pocket, pulled out a match and lit it and shined it up there and as he did he was staring right in the face of Jesus. So he was climbing, he climbed an outdoor crucifix and he was staring right in the face of Jesus in the guilt and shame that he had for deserting he realized what he had to do. See, Jesus didn't turn away from what he had to do to make a way for us. This British soldier went back and he got back in the trenches the next day and fought for his native England. God has a way of getting our attention. Maybe this morning, God is getting your attention in some way. And he's calling you to get back in the trenches. Maybe you've crawled out and thought, this is too tough. I can't take this. He's calling us to get back in the trenches, folks. To get back in the trenches to share our message. Have you heard His voice or felt the call of God on your life to surrender to Him this morning? Maybe you've been running away. Trying to avoid what He's telling you to do. But your sin and your disobedience to Him has a cost. An immediate cost of separation from fellowship with Him. And a potential cost of being wrecked, being shipwrecked, having a wrecked life. God is calling you back. Turn around. He sent me this morning to tell you to turn around. Turn to Him. Be restored. Offer up a prayer, a sincere prayer of repentance. He'll give you a second chance. He'll give you restoration that you're seeking. And then once you get that second chance, go tell somebody just like Jonah did. Because your story will have an effect. God will take your story. He will use it to grow His kingdom. And bring others to repentance. And bring others to salvation. In just a minute we're going to pray. And we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. A hymn of surrender. And as we sing these words. I'll go where you want me to go dear Lord. Over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Would you let that be your commitment this morning to the Lord? As He's calling you back into the trenches, 
Calling you to come back to Him. Calling you to stop disobeying Him. With a sincere prayer of repentance, He'll give you another chance. That's my prayer and that's my hope for me and for you and for people that will watch and hear this message later today. Jesus is calling you. Will you run away? Or will you answer Him? Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for these life lessons that we've learned from Your Word this morning, from the life of Jonah. Help us to know, Lord, that our disobedience, our sin has a cost. Not only to us, but to those around us. And at the very least, our sin breaks your heart. Help us to be mindful of that. Father, help us to turn around and offer sincere prayers of repentance to you. Knowing that you'll forgive us, you'll restore us, you'll give us that second chance. And Father, help us, give us the boldness to tell our story. Help us to know that evangelism has an effect. It doesn't have to be flashy. It just has to be from the heart. And we trust that you'll have the right people in the right place at the right time. And those fertile hearts will be there ready to receive your word. Father, we just ask you to forgive our many sins, Lord. Forgive us where we failed you in the past. Help us to do better in the future. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.